So the question is, did you vote? But more importantly, does your happiness depend on the result of what you voted for? Hey, it's Wei, and this is the podcast about a man, his dog, and their musings around happiness. And here's your host, me, Wei. Hey, it's Wei, and welcome to my fun little podcast playground all about unlocking happiness. And what a year we continue to be having. <laughs> now, if you are listening to this episode later, or not at the same time or week or day that it was released, at the time of this recording of this particular episode, we are currently in the middle of one of the most interesting elections that the U.S. has had in a while. Well, actually, <laughs> I think in more recent times, we've had many interesting elections. But, you know, this one's an interesting one. Now, this episode is not to talk about the policies or, or the candidates or any of those different components that most people end up talking about or complain about. Um, the title of this episode is called When You Vote for happiness. Now, before I dive into the correlation between happiness and our perspective on what we're attached to when we vote, let's talk about some of the reasons why people vote. I think one of the most popular things that I hear from people who are voters who consistently vote and uh, encourage almost almost at an evangelistic level other people to vote. One of their arguments is that, well, you can't complain if you don't vote. My challenge with that statement is that there is an implication that, or an encouragement even, that if you vote, then you can complain. And before we talk about the flaws, potential flaws behind the encouragement for someone to complain. Let's define what that is. Everybody has their own unique definition, but let's Google that and see what it says. Okay, so if you Google complain, you find that it's a verb, right? Um, and one of the first definitions is to express dissatisfaction or annoyance about something, which dissatisfaction, the state of annoyance or dissatisfaction are not categorized typically as states of happiness. Another definition here is a state that one is suffering from, right, a pain or symptom of illness. Okay, it doesn't talk about suffering from, you know, the state of the union. It's a state, it's an actual physical uh, implication, right? Um, and then there's a third one, which is more of a metaphor, I guess. It's called groan or creak under strain, which I like because it, it personifies inanimate objects. So, like, for example, from a literary standpoint, an example here says make a mournful sound, right? In other words, the example they use is let the warbling flute complain, which is kind of a cool thing because we know flutes on their own cannot complain. But when when we create a particular sound from it, it could sound like it's complaining, right? So 
with those definitions in mind, and because of the context of this particular podcast, one would venture to say being in a state, being in a state of complaint or being or complaining most likely does not contribute to a state of happiness. But what's the point of that? Well, many of my teachers, many of my coaches, and I say the same thing, is that when you complain without a solution, then it's just a complaint and it does no good for anybody. I don't even know that's proper grammar, but whatever, you know what I mean. So when it comes to complaining... In order to keep it into a state of complaint, in order to own the fact that I am issuing a complaint, it can only maintain a state of being a complaint or in an action of complaining if no solution is proffered. So most complain, stay complaining because they don't proffer a solution. They don't even try. They invest all their energy into that state of unhappiness, by the way. Complaining and complaint is miring in a state of unhappiness. Most complain without a solution. Because here's the interesting thing. Because once there is a solution, it's no longer a complaint. It's actually forward thinking. It's a state of problem solving. It is empowering, which an empowering state, what do you know, is categorized as a state of happiness. So yes, you can bring attention to a challenge or a problem in the world. And if you couple it and finish that with a solution or a proffered solution, or maybe a way out towards a solution, then you are no longer in a state of unhappiness. You have shifted and moved into an empowering state, which is a derivative and a state of happiness. And so despite, you know, it, other, than, <laughs> other than it being a relevant topic for the times when talking about voting for happiness, I see so much states of unhappiness out there around something that should be an exciting time when you are electing a new leader for either the city, the state, the country. It should be, ideally, an optimistic time. Unfortunately, in this particular year, in this particular election, what we're seeing out there are people preparing for the worst of what should be an exciting time. Now, obviously, we can't control the masses. We can't control what's out there. But that's not the point of this podcast. The point and the reason why you're listening to this is about understanding how you uniquely can man maintain higher, longer, deeper states of happiness regardless of what's going on. And so when the, when the title then is reevaluated, when you vote, are you voting with the intention for happiness? Now, when you vote only so that you can achieve or get happiness as a result of the vote, like if you're choosing a particular candidate and you vote, and you get happy when that candidate is elected, or you get unhappy, 
then that is not really voting for happiness. You are allowing the results of something that you've engaged in to determine whether or not you are happy. This is a deeper level and a higher level of awareness and existence to say that, yes, I have my preference, and yet despite that, I can still be happy with whatever the results may be. And if we are going to venture to complain about the results that we did not vote for, then what is the solution for you so that your happiness, your states of happiness, are not compromised? It is the perception of the choice of circumstances you have for the activities that you engage in. The other day, I was out playing volleyball, and in between the games, of course, during these times, the topic of conversation is basically what's the top of mind for everybody else during elections. And there was a sharing of a story about one of the people I was playing with talking about something, somebody else, and how they wished ill will in the most extreme form to one of the political figures that they did not like. And fortunately, all of us were on the same page and said, why would you even do that? That's, that's still another human being, regardless of what their actions are, what their activities are. Why would you wish that level of ill will? And what that person doesn't realize that the wishing of ill will is like drinking poison, hoping somebody else would die. But not only that, there is a severe boomerang effect that reverberates when you put that out there. If you were to understand that, put yourself in a room that doesn't have any furniture and it's just a room with walls. What happens when you create noise? There's a reverberation effect. There's a miniature echo effect. So you end up what? Hearing what you say. Life is no different in that regard. When one wishes ill will on those that do not happen to not share the same views as you or makes decisions that you wouldn't make, it doesn't really change the circumstance, but what happens is that frequency of ill will has a higher propensity to bounce right back and impact the person that conveyed it. The question is this, is that when you're doing that, whether that ill will becomes reality or not, ultimately, ask yourself this question. Does it contribute to your state of happiness? Or would it supposedly lead to that should that happen? If ill will were really to fall to a, fall to a fellow human being that you wanted it to happen, would that make you quote-unquote happy? Because what happens is this, is that if it does, then what you're doing is you're manipulating external reasons as a goal for happiness. And that in itself is a losing endeavor. And if that's the case, whatever it is that you vote for, trying to manipulate external reasons as a goal for happiness, no matter what, who wins or doesn't win, that intention, the biggest loser would be the one who had that intention. When you're voting for something where you're, the expectation where the result 
is the reason for your happiness, no matter what the result is, one is the loser. So you contribute what you can, you do what you can from your end, and whatever comes your way, though how you maintain your state of happiness or your states of happiness is called adaptation and resilience to whatever happens. The less attached you are to the results of the actions you take, the happier you will be. Let that sit in for just a little bit so that you can kind of understand what that's all about. Not a lot more to say other than that. And this happens you know, once every four years. And it's a great opportunity for us to check in with ourselves as what, just how happy are we? How much more progression have we made on increasing and improving our states of happiness under the guidance or the leadership of whoever is in the office? Have we been able to maintain or have we used it as an opportunity to compromise the happiness that is our own responsibility? And I think that's it for this episode. I think that's good enough. If you got some good nuggets of voting happiness-inducing inspiration, Remember to subscribe and share this podcast to everyone whose happiness you care about, especially during these times. Feel free to follow me on any of the usual social media channels. And until then, just remember, when in doubt, choose happiness.